Amen. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. It is a story of hope. And I want to share that with you this morning. Now, we've been talking over the last few weeks about how Jesus is calling his disciples, how he is working in their lives. Over the last two Sundays in particular, we have talked about how Jesus takes his disciples on this field trip. You probably are tired of hearing me use that analogy now because I've mentioned it over and over that basically what Jesus does is he, he allows his disciples to hear his teaching, to get the instruction, and then he takes them out so that they can practically observe what he's been talking about, so that they can understand his power. He, they can understand his authority. And, and when I look at, let's say, approximately 48 hours here in the life of Jesus and the disciples, I just stand back and I say, wow. I mean, could you imagine how these 48 hours must have totally transformed the disciples' thinking? When they see Jesus, when they see him interacting with others, when they see him overcoming the storm, how he overcomes the demoniac now, how he will overcome disease and eventually how he will overcome death, how that must have stuck with them for many, many years and reminded them of the authority that Jesus had. And that this is just a 48-hour sampling of the life and the ministry of Jesus. It's amazing. So they've been on this field trip. They went across the Sea of Galilee. He calmed the storm for them. They got to the other side. They were welcomed by this demoniac of Gadarenes. They were welcomed to this Gentile area. Jesus dealt with that, brought healing to the man. The people, of course, you'll remember, said, Jesus, would you just, would you just go back? I mean, to have this power located here with us... It, it is intimidating. Jesus, would you just leave us? And in verse 21, it says that Jesus gets back in the boat and he heads back across the Sea of Galilee, back over to the Galilean side of the lake itself. And when he gets there, all these people begin to gather around. The crowd, the multitude gather around Jesus. Now, I love the way the New King James uses this language. It says that they basically the crowd is thronged upon him. You like that word thronged? I mean, have you used it lately? I just feel like everybody's thronging upon me. Right? It just, it's, it's the idea of being pressed in. It, it's the idea that the crowd is just all around and he can't move because there's so many people. Now, some of you who've traveled internationally, maybe in China or India or so, you know what it's like to get in these great crowds. Maybe if you don't tr travel internationally, some of you have been to Disney World. Especially during those peak seasons, and you're trying to get through, and, and, and you're trying to, to manipulate the crowd, and people are pressed, and you're kind of like, hey, I don't like to be that close to people. You know, and they're, they're, they're there, they're all around, you can't get away. Well, it's kind of this idea that this crowd is coming up around Jesus, and they're pressing in. And in the midst of that, he gets this request from the ruler or one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus. 
He says, my little girl is sick. I'd like for you to come. Well, Jesus begins to make his way. So what we have today is the story in the story of how this woman comes to Jesus to find healing, help, and hope. Look at verse 25. In the middle of this crowd, in the middle of this request of Jesus going to heal this little girl, to work in her life, it says in verse 25, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd, touched his garment. For she said, if I only, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. The woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. It's a story in the story, but what a significant story this is. Of how Jesus demonstrates his authority once again. How Jesus demonstrates his power. Now, at the essence of the story is the healing. Okay? This is a healing narrative. So this young woman or this woman has been sick for 12 years she has been hemorrhaging she has been needing some type of cure some type of help and she has been going she's been eliciting the help of physicians it says that she's she's gone to different ones she's spent all that she had she had gone through different procedures obviously it says that she had suffered at the hands of many different individuals and yet she knew jesus was in town Jesus had come back over. All the crowd was gathering to him. And she thought to herself, if I could only see Jesus, maybe maybe if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just touch his clothes, because somehow his power, in, 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 in the New Testament world, the idea of the person's clothes would carry with it the idea of the person himself. Maybe if I could just touch the clothes, it would somehow bring healing to my life. Well, she did. She reached out. She grabbed Jesus' robe as he was passing by. And it says immediately, in that very moment, she received healing. And she knew it. She knew that God had brought to her healing. So I want you to hear this first of all today. She did experience healing in her life because of Jesus. I said at the core of this is the healing story. Is that Jesus has the power over disease. That Jesus has power over every sickness. And Jesus can bring healing. Just as Jesus could speak to the waves and the wind and say, Hey, be still. Settle down. I don't want to hear any more from you. 
just as he speaks calmness to them, just as he had brought the demoniac to healing, just as he had cast out this legion, just as Jesus had the authority to do all that, now Jesus demonstrates once again on this field trip that he has the absolute authority over disease and sickness that he can bring healing. It's important for the disciples to understand this, for them to know that the one that they serve has authority and power over all these things. It's important for these who follow him daily to know that Jesus can intervene in people's hearts and lives and bring healing. May I say this to you today? It's still important for us as disciples as followers of Jesus, to understand that he has the authority and he has the power to intervene in our lives, specifically as he touches the physical afflictions and bring healing today. Jesus can still do this stuff. Hey, what we read in the New Testament is not just the power of a God back then. What we read in the New Testament is the power of God in our lives right now. And when we come to him, we recognize that Jesus still has all authority over disease and sickness. And he still brings healing to our lives. Now that healing can come in some different ways and different fashions, right? I believe our God can use what we would call the natural, routine things of life to bring healing to us. I, I'm all about, well, let me, let me frame this a little better. I was going to say I'm all about going to the doctor when you're sick, but I'm not because I'm a man, right? I would have confessed to something that would have been totally wrong. But if you need a doctor, and if there's something going on, you know, I, I believe you ought to go see an individual. I, I think you ought to go and be able to talk to the person and see what they would say, how they would diagnose you. I, I think that's perfectly fine. I think it's okay to take an antibiotic every now and then when you need it, right? I was trying to give you an opportunity. The doctor wants to give you an antibiotic. He's listening, Next time he's not going to give you one because you didn't say anything. You're going to wait three more days and then get the antibiotic. No offense, my doctors. But there's nothing wrong with going to the doctor. There's nothing wrong with antibiotic. There's nothing wrong with going through procedures or surgeries. Hey, I believe this. See, some people would say, well, when you're talking about healing, it has to be immediate and this and this and this and and, uh, and, you know, those are all natural things. My God is over every natural thing and over every resource. So when I go to see some of these doctors, my God is over them. And I pray for them that God would give them the wisdom that they need in order to treat me. So I believe that God could use them. And I believe God does use them. I believe there are a lot of doctors and other individuals that God will work in their lives to help us. But what this scripture reminds us is that there are human limitations. Right? There are only certain things that your doctor can do for you. There are only certain things that medicine can do for you. There, there are only certain things that we as humans can assist you in. 
And I've shared with you my frustration before because I realize how totally inadequate I am when I go into a hospital room. Now, I know I have a doctorate, and sometimes I play like I got a medical doctorate, okay? I'm often reminded I have no prescribing privileges. And I am not one of those doctors that can help people physically like that. But, you know, I go in, I, I see so many different people and so many different things. And, you, you know, I begin to think about all these treatments and all the whatever. And, but I recognize so often how limited I am to help people when I'm standing by their bed. When I'm in a hospital room and I see people suffering, there's so many days I wish I could just just take the pain, just take their issues, somehow to be able to do something. But humanly, it is impossible. And I can't do it. Frustrating. Those of you in the medical profession, I know there are days that you're just totally frustrated because you wish you could do so much more. There are human limitations. But there are no limitations with God. There are no divine limitations. When we see this, we recognize that she had been and she had recognized the limitations of humanity and doctors and, and the medical profession and all the different things. She had recognized all of that, but she just thought if she could just see Jesus, if she could just touch the hem of his garment, something would change. She had heard about him. She had seen perhaps some things that had happened in Capernaum and she just, she was convinced. She had faith. She had absolute trust. If she could only see Jesus. And Jesus brought healing into her life. A decisive action of healing. See, I believe God can work in our lives through the natural resources, if we want to call it that, the natural practices. But I also believe he can intervene at any moment, at any time, to bring immediate healing to us. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to bring That immediate healing in all our lives, just like we think it should be. Right? It's not always going to come just as we expect it. You know, I I was looking, uh, studying just a little bit this week about the process of healing. And even in the New Testament, when you had some miraculous healings. Let's say as those were carried out by the disciples. Let's point specifically to Paul. There were moments where Paul could speak to a person and there could be healing, immediate healing. Whether it was the crippled man at Lystra or maybe you remember this story, Eutychus, that's the way I'm going to pronounce his name. You remember Eutychus in the book of Acts? You remember he was sitting in a window and he was listening to Paul wax eloquently Paul was preaching and teaching, but Paul got long-winded. See, all I try to do is just follow the apostolic example, all right? Paul got long-winded. And what happened to Eutychus? He fell out of the window. He went, well, he went to sleep. All right, I forgot that part. He went to sleep, fell out of the window, 
and died. And yet, through the power of God as represented through Paul, he was brought to life. So there were those moments. It was the will of God, obviously. And Paul spoke into those people's lives, and this is what happened. But also, recognize the moments when it was not the will of God. Because Paul could not just demonstrate that power at such will. Obviously not, because think of this. He could not remove his own thorn in the flesh. His own weakness. He couldn't speak to it and make it, because God, through his sovereignty, through his will, had decided that that thorn in the flesh needed to remain in Paul's life. Think about Timothy's ailing stomach. He didn't just speak and bring healing to it. Think about Epaphroditus. For many Sunday nights, we talked through the book of Philippians. And in the book of Philippians, we're told that Epaphroditus was sick unto death. Well, again, if it had been the will of God, then Paul could have just spoken that healing. Certainly, he would have been healed. Trophimus left it ill, the scripture says, at Miletus. I say to you that there were moments where, yes, Paul could speak and it was immediate because it was God's will. There were other moments where Paul could not necessarily speak into this and bring healing because it was not his will. So we pray for his will. But look, we pray knowing that God, our God above, has all authority over sickness, all authority over disease. See, this is, this is when things change in the, in the hospital room. I can feel my sense of inadequacy. I can sense how I cannot do anything for this individual from my own human limitations. But when I stop and when I pray by that bed, when I pray and when I recognize that there is a God above that has the authority to touch this person's life, that's when things begin to transform. That God would work and that God would bring healing in his own way. You don't miss this today. Our God still brings healing. And you can trust him. And he'll work for, your, for his glory and for your good. When you have a trip to MD Anderson, you just be reminded. Your God has the strength and the power to bring healing in your life. When you're called into the university hospital over at Shreveport and they tell you that there is something on your brain, you know that your God has the healing authority and ability for your life. When your child is diagnosed with something that is going to, something that's going to limit their activities, their mobility, you know again that the God that we serve, that Jesus himself has the power to heal. This woman experienced healing because this woman experienced the help of God. I didn't want to miss this aspect of this, of this story because, yes, the physicians had tried to help her. I, I got that. Understand, they had tried to do something in her life. They had tried to assist her. But overall, in the culture of the day, she was an outcast. Don't miss this about the scripture. 
Because according to Jewish law, Jewish ritual, this woman was ceremonially unclean. She was to be cast out. She was to be socially alienated from everyone else. And see, while the healing itself, the physical healing, was so important, don't miss this of where Jesus also restored her to the social community. You know, I think of myself kind of as a social animal. I like talking to people. I like being around people. That may surprise some of you, I can tell. I like listening to people. I like hearing stories. I like kind of connecting families. I, I, I just kind of like that. I, I, I don't like the idea of being alone. Leslie, I'll tell you, I don't do well alone. I, I just don't. Next time she leaves town, I'll call some of you. I'll come stay at your house. All right, now that I put it out there, you can feed me lemon icebox pies and whatever you want to. I, I just don't, I don't like to be by myself. Never have. I, I think it may be an issue I had when I was younger. I was in kindergarten. Uh, I, I remember back in the day we had Miss Black's morning class. Now, some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but back in the day, back in the day, we only had half-day kindergarten. And Leslie and I, we were in the morning class together. We were in Miss Black. Again, some of you have heard me talk about Miss Black. She was the first love of my life, even to this day. She was awesome. But one day, the love of my life, Miss Black, left me in the trailer by myself. I had enjoyed my nap time. And I had extended my nap under a table, and she had not seen me. So she left. She went out. I woke up, couldn't find anybody, knocked on the door. I beat, and I beat, and I beat. And finally, I could hear people outside talking. I was still beating. Hey! We were in a little trailer, so you'd have to... Finally, the door flung open, and there was Miss Black... And Mr. McNutt, my elementary school principal, they thought somebody had broken in. I'm thinking to myself now, looking back, they would break in and lock themselves in. <laughs> Such was the state of the public schools in the state of Mississippi at the time. But I always, I, when, I was in, when I was in college, I wrote reflecting upon that. And I said, well, maybe that was the issue. I just don't like to be alone. I like people around me. This woman was alone. She had been socially alienated. For 12 years, she was not welcomed into the community of faith. She was not welcomed into worship itself. For 12 years, she had starved for social interaction. She had longed for people. She had longed, I believe, to be back in the community of faith, to be there in that community of worship. She had longed for that. She had been cast to the side. When I look at Jesus' ministry, I love the way he just reached out to those that had been thrown to the side. When I look at it, 
I mean, think of his ministry. It was dominated by tax collectors, demoniacs, lepers, sinners, and the list continues to go on and on of people he reached out to and he helped. For us, I know our human limitations. I spoke about it a moment ago, but may I just say this? There are a lot of people who still feel alone. Some of them are going through physical illness and issues. And because of their physical limitations, they can't come here maybe on Sunday morning. Oh, how they had longed to. Now, we'd welcome them. We understand. We'd welcome, but their physical limitations would not allow them to come here. Could we make a commitment that we, because we can't all, just individually we can't do it by ourselves, but all of us would reach out to those kinds of people and remind them they're not alone. They're not alone. I'll say to you, there are a lot of people who've been very faithful to this church, would have been here this morning. Rain would not have stopped them. Other activities would not have stopped them. They would have been here this morning, but they can't anymore because of their physical issues. Could we say as a church, as a people, hey, we're going to commit ourselves once again to making sure that they know they're not alone. Because Jesus offered, yes, healing, but he offered her help, help that brought forth social healing to bring her back into the community. Well, to keep my promise and be able to close quickly here, let me give you the last one. And this is really what I want you to hear. She experienced hope. Because Jesus gave her hope. Twelve years. Been to every doctor. Spent all her funds. Dr. Luke, the physician himself, will write about this in chapter 8. Spend all her livelihood is the language that she used there. She spent it all. She, she went to everybody she could. She used all the resources she had. There was no hope. Nothing could change. Nothing could change. At least that was the idea until Jesus came upon the scene. There was no hope. What a sad state that is. Listen, this might be the most difficult and the most tragic situation that a person finds himself or herself in. A state of no hope. I mean, when life is just totally consumed and it just seems like nothing could ever be better. That's a tragic situation. When there's no hope. Unfortunately, there are people that choose to do some bad things. Some very tough things. Because they have no hope. There are those individuals that are led down a path of darkness because there's no hope. I want you to hear this, and I want you to tell everybody you come in contact with, in Jesus Christ, there is hope. There is, and there always will be. There will always be hope because he is the person of hope. She comes to him. She's fear trembling. She's touching. He, he looks around. He says, hey, who, who, who touched me? And... Um, of course, the, the disciples looking at each other like, what do you mean, Jesus? 
everybody just touched you. Everybody just touched you. They were thronging upon you. And Jesus says, but, but there's one. And he knew that his power had gone out from him. She comes. She knows, again, she knew that she was socially alienated. She knew she was not even supposed to be there. And especially touching a religious, righteous man's clothing. She knew she wasn't supposed to do this. That's the reason she fell down in fear and trembling. Because she was such an outcast. And listen to what Jesus says. Jesus said, daughter, hear the tenderness of the title. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Your trust has made you complete. Go in peace. Oh, she'd been longing for that peace for some time. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. In Jesus, she had trust and faith and she saw within him something that nobody else could do and that is to provide the hope that she desperately needed. When your friends look at you and they say, all we can do is pray. When the doctor looks at you and says, there's nothing else we can do medically. When your heart tells you that there's nothing else out there. Pause for a moment. Incline your ear toward heaven. And listen to the whispers of hope that Jesus brings in your life. Because Jesus brings hope. Those of us, many of us who've gone through physical issues, we know what it's like to experience healing and help and hope through Jesus. Regardless of our physical situation, those of us who are sit here today and we're saved and we're blessed. We of all people know hope. Because we were lost in our sins. We were enslaved. There was nothing else. We were alienated. There's nothing else we could do. And what did Jesus do? Jesus came to die on the cross for us on Calvary. Oh, this is good, okay. He came to be resurrected and show that he had the power over death, hell, and the grave. And because of that, because of what he's done and our faith and our trust in him as we are saved, as we give our lives completely to him, guess what? Life is about hope. Every day is about hope that we have in Jesus because he has all authority. He has all power. And if I serve a God like that, a God who loves me and has all the power to work on my behalf, there is hope. You don't miss it. There's hope. And what I want to encourage you today is when you go out these doors and you go in this community and you see people that are broken, you see people that are going through all kinds of tragedies and difficulties, mental, physical, emotional, whatever it is, especially those who are spiritually in bondage, I want you to tell them, tell them, tell them that he offers hope. He offers hope to them. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for the great hope that you've given us. It could not have been manufactured by men. 
It could not have been brought down by our programs or our systems or our buildings. (laughs) It could only be done by one who is divine and above, one who is sovereign, one who is great. And God, I thank you for saving us from our sins, of blessing us with forgiveness and hope. And we know even, Lord, as death itself, as we'll talk about next week, as death itself comes into our hearts and lives, we're still not without hope because of what your son, the Lord Jesus, did for us. Thank you for making us a people of hope. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand this morning?